0: Patreon.com slash TheWalkOffPodcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there.
1: Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's The Walk-Off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The Die Hard Podcast for the casual fan. Wire. And another one. My goodness.
0: Oh, we got two backwards hats on today. Can't hear me yet. Look at us, they're matching backwards hats, right? Just, just two cool guys being cool,
1: just the coolest dudes around oh, doing what man. they do. <laughs> oh, I was reeking. Oh, it was a <laughs> long one, buddy. Holy, <laughs> just a lot of driving and trying to get through doing shows with a cold. It was just not, uh, not my favorite. But you're out. You're out in BC, eh? Yeah, I was up how north were, in BC.
0: How are the highways coming back?
1: Bear? Just hit hit the jackpot, buddy. It was completely great. So that's awesome.
0: Um, my, my dad just came out and uh, last week, and he like was driving the day we got all the snow. So it's yeah, like, shit. So but yeah, the he's, worst he's old the worst. school. He believes in winter tires, so he was he was fine.
1: Yeah, school. I got my winter tires on too. So I was I was prepared. But what it's funny, man. I was on the road uh the first weekend of November last year up mm-hmm. north in BC and was like, okay, hey, I need to book it earlier. <laughs> it was just a nightmare. And then it was all right. So I don't yeah. know. Um did What's you have any relief picture. oh it's a oh picture, right nice. hey hey novelty t-shirt hey <laughs> i love it i
0: know we're gonna get requests for us to rip that off as merch so
1: yeah right
0: relief picture um, that's a good
1: one yeah it's, speaking of merch we actually had uh, a couple more bad tacos nice. bad taco shirts bought so uh the walk-off dot ca it is our active website and you can go there and, and pick up merch if that's something that is uh of interest to you with christmas yep. coming up and stuff get all your family walk-off stuff why wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. okay buddy um did you have anything extra that you had pressing to talk about okay For mlb mondays Good. yeah
0: this is this is a good okay. list you've come up with.
1: I right, I thought so too. Right? Yeah, I know. I was kind of kind of scrambling, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man,
0: like I mean, MLB Mondays with two teams left playing it gets gets hard.
1: But. It does, it does. Um, but we do have lots to talk about, Chris Black. So I reached out to him after that thread. I I should send okay. it along to you I by the way, I did post the thread in discord okay so i'm not going to go too too in depth in it because he just displays all the numbers and most of us are visual learners anyways Mm -hmm. so to actually see it in black and white in front of you uh so we are going to get into that thread a little bit on where the blue jays power went by the way if you are struggling obviously Uh, a big thank you to all the patreon members here this show is literally specifically for you and if you Mm -hmm. are struggling still to get into the discord reach out on patreon i know we've had a couple bumps in the road we've fixed some problems for some people i don't know if you don't speak up we don't know though
0: yes thank (laughs) you that's a great way to put it yes so
1: Okay, so we are going to get into that thread from Chris Black on where the Jays' power went. Everyone would like to blame Ross Atkins and the way he designed this team, but the numbers kind of show that it was more the guys returning that had a huge down year, like, right across the board in power. So we'll talk that. Catel Marte, dude, this guy, I mean... According to Blue Jays fans, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno are single-handedly winning this World Series for the Diamondbacks. But my God, man, Marte has been the leader in that clubhouse. He's been the offensive engine of the Snakes all season long. And this playoffs actually broke an MLB record for the longest hit streak in the playoffs. Think about... Like, I don't want to get too, too into it before we hit the topic, but just let that roll around your brain for a second of, like, the quality of pitching in the playoffs, the quality of teams Mm -hmm. you're playing, the the best defensive, like, it's just incredible that he has done that 18-game hit streak. We'll talk the World Series, Arizona heading back, home, home. With the series all tied at one, it's going to be Max Scherzer against Brandon Faft. Managers around the league, we're going to talk about them a little bit. They just are, it doesn't matter how good of a manager they are, they are the lightning rod for the fans' fury. Speaking of managers, the the San Francisco Giants now have a new manager in Bob Melville, which means the San Diego Padres are Mm. now interviewing for managers and uh, the Red Sox finally found someone who wouldn't turn down the general manager job. (laughs) So we'll, uh, we'll touch on that to close things up. We'll start with the Blue Jays. And I I feel comfortable talking about this with it being our Patreon exclusive buddy, because the comments, whenever we bring this up, they get, the most insane I can pause. I can like, we've been doing this (laughs) podcast, Adam, for three years. Yeah. Can you think of any one topic that has been obsessed over more than the Gabriel Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel, Jr. Varsho trade?
0: That's a good question. Um, I mean, you could talk,
1: Laddie contract
0: is up there. The intensity
1: of the like the intensity of the Tyler Chatwood bullpen blow up in 2021 was pretty yeah feverish.
0: Demands to DFA Tanner Roark were pretty high, but (laughs) he got DFA'd, so they they went away pretty quick. Um obviously the Anthony Bass stuff was a hot topic but again short short short-lived
1: short-lived and this just continues
0: when did the trade happen december 26th i feel like it was right around christmas yeah apologies to people who don't do christmas for missing out on christmas but i think it's been complained about since before the trade happened in a weird way like that's how long it's yeah A full year of complaining about a trade that happened 11 months ago.
1: It reminds me of, so when I was in grade 10, my best buddy got his first girlfriend and got some action for the first time.
0: Okay. Hold on. It lasted I've, about kids. Cover your ears.
1: Cover yours. This lasted about three months and then they broke up and he was obsessed with Everything that happened in this lady's life for about a year. Like, I remember just he touched one boob and, well, I'm sure he touched both boobs. I mean, if they're both both available (laughs) for touching, right? If they're both out there. on one? (laughs) Give equal love. But uh, not to compare this Blue Jays fan base to an obsessed 15-year-old boy, but it feels like that a little bit at this point.
0: Yeah, I get it. <laughs> first first boob of your life, Gabrielle Moreno trade. The Is it was it the longing for oh I miss touching boobs that we're comparing to yes, this? Yes, I think I so, miss...
1: right? Okay. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Every time you'd see her in the hallway, you'd be like, Oh, Gabby. Was her name Gabby? <laughs> I wish it was I wish her name was Gabby. I would would wish
1: be... the girl's name was Gabby. Me too, buddy.
0: Whole circle thing. Oh <laughs> um, man.
1: Yeah. Oh, um,
0: it is tough to watch. I mean, I'm cheering for the Diamondbacks in this Me World too. Series. I'm watching it Me with too. my dad.
1: Uh, I don't know. Listen, he's having a great playoffs.
0: Hey, you know what? The way I put it, I think I was texting with my brother about this because he was commenting on that as well. Um, But my opinion is if Guriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno were still on the Blue Jays, they would not be hitting this well in the World Series because they would not be in the World Series. Yes. I also think if this was to play out 10 times, this is the only time that they're in the World Series.
1: Like, like, It feels like a crapshoot, but... Ah. Listen, baseball is such a funny sport. I mean, there is that game in late September where the Diamondbacks were playing the Cubs. And the Cubs made an error to allow the Diamondbacks to tie the game up, and they wind up winning it in extra innings. And that wound up literally being the difference between whether it was the Cubs making the playoffs or the Diamondbacks. An error by the outfield of the Chicago Cubs. You play that scenario up 10 times, I bet you it's not an error any more than the 1 out of 10. Yeah, They're not even in the playoffs at that point. I'm not taking anything away from this snake's dine it like this run that they're on this this incredible cinderella story which is exactly what it is man they're an 84 win team with a bunch of rookies mm-hmm. they don't even know they're literally strutting out a guy who made his major league debut may 3rd game three of the world series this year against max scherzer <laughs> yeah.
0: i mean he pitched game seven of the alcs
1: And was lights out.
0: So, they are a, what's the right word for this? And I don't know how to say this without offending anyone. They are a worse version of the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. And the Orioles were swept in round one. Or whatever by round they technically got to. Hey, by the way, speaking of high school love stories, here's one for you. When I was in grade 10, and this is why I bring it up, Uh my I don't want to say best friend, but my in my friend group, the cool guy who was the best at hockey, got a girlfriend. Right. And his girlfriend's best friend, I became encoupled with. Specifically, so I mean, she was all right, but I was like, hey. If I get to hang out with Shannon and Shannon's with Amanda and Amanda gets all this time with Casey, I get time with Casey. I'm in with the the popular guy. And then uh, Amanda and Casey broke up almost right away. And I was like stuck with with Shannon, who bless her heart, was an awesome (laughs) girlfriend. So I won't say anything negative about my first true love. But it was just one of those things where I was like, are you kidding me? Come on, man. But I thought this I this is not why I got into this. I thought yeah. I cracked the code. Instead, I was just touching boobs and thrilled for entirely different reasons. So <laughs> MLB Mondays, this is what you get, folks.
1: This is what you get, folks. So the Blue Jays' power went way down this year. Uh, they were first in Major League Baseball in twenty twenty one in home runs. They were seventh in twenty twenty two, and they were below the league average. They were eighteenth last year. Um. So there are lots of theories as to why this team's power is down. The most prevalent one, obviously, being the change up in the lineup. And this was this is why Chris Black is, is such a star, in my opinion, is that his ability to push through the narrative And really get down to the nitty-gritty of the numbers is so impressive. And that's kind of what he's done here. Again, this thread is up in Discord. Take a look for yourself. Um, Isolated power is the one, one thing he really brings up here. Iso. So whenever you hear Iso, that's isolated power. And he points out that everyone wants to believe that this is the front office and the pieces that they move in. And then he compares the numbers. So Teoscar Hernandez in 2022, he had 25 home runs and a slugging percentage of 491 in 534 plate appearances and ISO, so isolated uh, power of two... 24 so you read it like a batting average Belt Schneider Okay so that was kind of The replacement for Teoscar Hernandez in his opinion They between the two of them had 27 home runs a slugging of 519 an ISO of 259 and 544 plate appearances So pretty much a wash Tappy Guriel. Okay that was our Outfield at the time 12 home runs, a slug of 390. Of course, Gurriel's, uh, was dealing with his wrist injury, had a great batting average, but also his power was way down that year. That was in 925 plate appearances, an ISO of 111. Okay? Varsho, Kiermaier were the replacements. They combined for 28 home runs, so substantially more, a slugging of 401, An ISO of 163 and 988 player play, uh, plate appearances. So basically, what he's getting at here is the fact is that if you're talking about the drop in power, it actually came in for the most part in every single returning player. And this is where you need to go onto the Discord and check this thread out for yourself because this is where he actually displays all the numbers. I'm not going to bore you literally reading all of these names and numbers. But basically, the idea is that it wasn't the players they brought in that was the problem. It was the change in hitting philosophy within the team. And it's not just this, because he really gets into it. But basically, the team traded power for contact. And in doing so, saw some of their power hitters, like Vladdy, like Kirk, like Springer, Take huge dips in their home run totals. The Jays ranked 21st in average bat speed and 24th in average attack angle this year. And Belt Jano and Schneider, Davis Schneider, they led the team in ISO. So they were the three guys who really take them out of the equation. The four teams uh, in Pre-two strike bat speed. So Atlanta, Seattle, Philadelphia, Tampa, they all ranked top 10 in ISO. They were first, 10th, 6th, and 4th. It was the approach. Yeah. You know, when 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 you see this stuff and see how well the Jays as a group ranked in things like contact rate, strikeout rate, like the Jays strikeout rate was way down this season their chase rate was way down this season. And we'll ne- never actually know but it does make you wonder if uh the group like collectively prioritized swing decisions and contact over power, damage, slug, iso and if that's something they just need to reevaluate as an organization, obviously they're going to. Obviously this is something that the analytics department, Ross Atkins at the top of it that John Schneider, the pitching coach or the hitting coaches are going to look deeply into and they freaking well better. It just really to see the numbers dude and be like, Holy shit. Like when you, when you look at the players they brought in, they, they really weren't so much the problem as like, my God, even Bichette took a drop down in power. And I know, uh, Chris Black brings that up. He's like, I thought about not even including Bichette, but he's like, I, I, because he killed it this year and his hits mm-hmm. were up and his average was incredible. He's a 300 hitter and he's an obvious number two or number three in any lineup, but his power was down from previous years. So when it's the whole team... Huh.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is... I don't know that the intention of the approach was to be like, a, "Hey, let's be a contact team," but it was the outcome, right?
1: It was the product, exactly.
0: So that's all we can really uh, evaluate, right? We don't know what what goes goes on behind the doors, but I will say that, like, this is, and MLB Mondays in mind, this is the approach, generally speaking, across baseball of why home runs are important. Yes. Right. Like you think of you have a six-sided die or six-sided dice. I always say I know six-sided die is the singular. No. Dice is plural. Die is plural. Dice is
1: plural. Die, die is singular.
0: Is singular. Okay. But to say you have a six-sided die just sounds weird. People are like, "What is he talking dice? You have one single dice of six sides, a standard <laughs> dice that you're rolling uh, versus you have three coins. Right, Heads or tails on all three, right? Uh, each coin on its own, 50-50 chance of getting heads, right? That's your base hit equivalent. Whereas the six-sided die, you need a six to hit a home run, right? Way more likely to just flip heads than to roll a six. But when you think about, oh, I need to get heads on all three coins, in order for a run to score. I need three base hits to bring this in, right? Yeah. Um, That's where you go, oh, what are my odds of, of getting uh, heads on all three? And the way it stacks up is it's like actually a one out of eight probability. So I know it's not like a perfect uh, analogy here, but that's like kind of the gist is, why everyone's like, let's just roll a six. And then it doesn't matter what the outcome is on any of the other stuff. We don't need, you know, so that's why, like when when we look at uh, runners in scoring position and we weren't able to get guys home, it's like, well, we kept going heads, heads, tails. And that was our inning all yeah. season, like all year, right? It was really we we're rolling any sixes and we kept getting heads, heads, tails or whatever. So.
1: And Adam, it might not be the perfect analogy, but to see you step out of your comfort zone of food analogies and step into the dye world, you know?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, this is, this is what we call growth.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, baseball, everyone has been talking about the three true outcomes for half a decade now. And the baseball has become walk, strike out, or home runs. And Major Hold League on. Baseball instilled...
0: Did you think I said... Die? I said pie. It's a six-sided pie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Go ahead. We're back.
1: Uh, I'm just happy that joke (laughs) didn't go over my head for a Uh, change. Good stuff. You know, like, they talk so much about the three true outcomes, and Major League Baseball obviously instilled these new rules to try and diversify the game a little bit. But there's a reason why the three true outcomes became so prevalent, right? It's because it works. If you Mm -hmm. roll that six, you win, right? Yep, exactly. I don't know the solution. Could you imagine if I did? Oh, buddy, this podcast wouldn't exist. I'd be working with the Blue Jays, bud. (laughs) (laughs) On my way to Toronto to show Vladdy how to swing. Uh, (laughs) But... I think a new approach obviously is the answer here and whether that comes from some new personnel that they're bringing in as hitting coaches. I mean, can you
0: imagine the blue Jays just brought in Russell Peters as the new hitting coach? He's like, I
1: got a theory guys. (laughs) 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 Uh. What's the deal with your isolated (laughs) power being down? Uh (laughs)
0: The ball is round. The bat is round.
1: Man, yeah, I don't know. Um, when it when it comes to the importance of home runs, I think the proof is in the pudding, and the Blue Jays need to figure out a way to get back to where they were. Man, it's the same cast of characters for the most part, right? Like, I know that Vladdy is constantly the lightning rod for the frustration when it comes to the lack of power, because we watched him be the home run King in major league baseball in 2021 and barely hit over 20 this year. But to look at the breakdown, Chris black gave it is, it is up and down the lineup. And so again, I I don't know what the solution is, but they need to figure it out.
0: Can I offer a radical idea? You can just give me your thoughts on this and everybody watching can also chime in. I'm curious.
1: Absolutely. I, and you I mean already, radical like the Ninja Turtles, right? Like radical. Yeah, Cowabunga Cowabunga, dude. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I already know what you're going to say because I know how you feel about expanded playoffs, which is, by comparison, the cheese pizza of what I'm about to say. Um, do you think... If the approach, if the mentality of like ownership in baseball was like these three true outcomes are ruining the game, we need to get offensive like balls in play matters, right? What if we, and I don't, I'm not saying I'm advocating for this, but how gross does this make you feel to think about a game that is seven innings long, but four outs per inning. Oh, I hate it. But would that work? If you didn't hate it, would it work? Do you think like, I don't know. Do you think that would, the chances of getting a guy home based on singles, if you had one extra out to do it? Yeah. Right. Like if, if there was two outs and a runner on third and you could still hit a sacrifice fly.
1: Yeah, obviously it'd be a, a completely different game. Kind It'd kind of cool. be fun to see. This is yeah. what Dubai should do. This, this is what Dubai, Dubai should do. Yeah, should do. seven yeah. innings,
0: it's four outs, all steroids. You gotta, yeah, you've got to piss hot if you want to play in this league.
1: Uh, this is way off topic, but by chance, did you happen to see John Boy tweet out or on Instagram the costume? Of the guy who dressed like Randy Johnson in the Arizona oh. Diamondbacks cost- costume and then his girlfriend right dressed as a bloody bird. <laughs> oh my god.
0: I'm looking that up it's right so, now.
1: It's I'll so post good. this in
0: the I'll post this in the Patreon. So anybody that's hearing this and doesn't want to have to look for it. Oh wow, mother. Yeah. That is
1: uh isn't that funny?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just glad glad he
0: did it, not Trevor Bauer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's the little wins at this point.
0: (laughs) the little wins, yeah.
1: Okay, let's move on to King Cattell, man, because Mr. Marte has made history. He is in the record books. The longest consecutive hit streak in playoff history with 18. The guy won't stop probably the most dangerous piece in this diamondbacks batting order. And he's a doubles freaking machine. Like the amount of RBIs that he has scored, like it, you get, you get, you get Corbin Carroll, the, the fastest dude in baseball on first base. And then Cattell comes up, hits a double and it's just an automatic run, man. And we've seen this, about a dozen times this playoffs. It has been just such a a treat to watch a guy who has had his ups and downs, man. Like the Cattell Marte hype train has been up and down over the last half a decade where people were like, is he going to be a top 10 player in baseball? He is a top 10 player in baseball. (laughs) Oh, maybe he's just slightly above average, but uh, just the offensive engine. Of this Diamondbacks team this year, man.
0: Uh, I've been—I I don't know if impressed—is the right word. Surprised, maybe. Enjoying for sure. How much the Diamondbacks have been stealing? Yeah,
1: they really have been the only team this playoffs who has kept up the pace of their stolen bases in the regular season. Okay. Most of these teams have dialed it back. Most of these teams are playing money ball baseball. Don't give out. Don't give away outs. But the Diamondbacks, and when you've got that elite speed, man, like I don't know if there's a faster team in baseball.
0: Yeah, they're quick and aggressive. Feels like from top to bottom.
1: They're just fun to watch. And they got. My power. dogs
0: are getting into something. I got to go check.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Go take a look. So as Adam goes and checks this out. I will leave you, Uh, not leave you. Imagine that's how I play it. I'm like, okay, while well, Adam's doing this, I'm also going to go check on my cat, see what's going on with him there. But I had a little stat here. Let's see if I can pull it up. Okay. I'm struggling to find it. It's irrelevant. Your dog's
0: good, bud? Yeah, my dad's doing the dishes right now and they're just playing. So. <laughs> I was like, I heard dishes clang while dogs were growling, and I was like, yeah. Oh, what did they pull off the counter now? So
1: I think this nothing. is the second time in the last six months where you thought your dog was getting into something that was your dad. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you're right. It does ring a bell. <laughs>
1: All right. Let's while we're while we're talking Cattel and this Diamondbacks team, let's just get into the World Series because okay. game 2. Obviously, the Diamondbacks man, it's kind of crazy to think the D-backs could literally be up to nothing right now. Like if it wasn't for some real heroics from Corey Seager and Adolis Garcia in game 1 in the 11th inning to 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 complete the comeback. The Diamondbacks are heading back to Arizona 2-0. I, I know that's not the way it works. You gotta go with the, the scores that are on paper, but mm-hmm. my goodness, man, this Diamondbacks team is formidable to say the least. And I I even I was worried the D-backs wouldn't be enough competition to really make this a series against the Rangers, but that has not been the case, even in the least. They have had their foot on the gas this whole time. They're going back to Arizona, the series tied at one. Max Scherzer on the mound for the Rangers, and I think that the the advantage goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks and their rookie Brandon Faft, who has been a revelation this playoffs. He pitched to almost a 5 ERA over the regular season and uh, has really found his footing. This postseason and it's kind of cool man Because it's two different ends of the spectrum Right? Three time Cy Young award winner On the end of his career Kind of ready to to Ride off into the sunset Versus a guy Who made his major league debut May 3rd
0: I mean the name For the casual Viewer who maybe doesn't follow baseball religiously? Tunes in for playoffs, whatever. That's how most baseball fans tend to be. Max Scherzer feels like advantage Rangers, right? He's got, like you said, yes. Hall of Famer. Um, has a deep playoff resume, um, but has not looked good this this postseason. And yeah, I mean, it's just weird to to even think that Max Scherzer's on the mound. But advantage unknown rookie on the other team. But
1: truly, and I I don't know how to argue with it. Scherzer's dealing with some obstacles on top of it. He's got a cut on his thumb that has been repaired with some glue, and they're hoping that that kind of holds together for him over this start. He, of course, missed the last four weeks of the regular season in the beginning of the playoffs before rejoining the Rangers October 18th. He was okay in his last start definitely not the dominant max scherzer that we saw in let's say 2019 when he basically put that nationals team on his shoulders and helped win them a world series do you think mad max has one more in him or or do you think the best that the rangers can hope for is that he goes three or four innings and and allows one or two runs and They could go to Jordan Montgomery out of the bullpen. (laughs) Like I don't. The Rangers lack of pitching is starting to show, dude. It's starting to show.
0: So 2021, Max Scherzer. Great in the postseason for the Dodgers. Um four innings, one earned run. Seven innings, one earned run. Uh, Relief appearance, the NLDS, zero earned runs, uh, four and a third for two earned runs. Uh, Last season for the Mets, uh, didn't make it through five innings, gave up seven earned runs. This year, ALCS, four innings, five earned runs. And then, of course, uh, last week against uh, the Astros, two and two thirds innings, two earned runs. I want to say that he does have a gem in him just because like the romantic baseball fan in me would love to yes. see like just to see him pitch like two more gems on like short rest and just that would be awesome. I don't it think it, I don't think it is though.
1: I mean, I don't uh, see it either. And this is where the advantage does go to the D backs at home if they can get five innings out of their kid, that's probably that's probably more. Like, if, if the Rangers can get five out of Scherzer, that is literally the best-case scenario, in my opinion. I honestly don't even think the Rangers are trying to push Mad Max to that. I think if they can get four out of him, they're going to be very happy. If they can give up two runs on four innings. I mean, the Achilles heel of this Rangers team has been pitching. It's been pitching depth when it comes to their starters, and it's been their bullpen. And their bullpen is definitely on fumes at this point. They're outside of LeClerc. I mean, I don't know, man. I I never had a lot of confidence in this Rangers team when it comes to their bullpen all playoffs long, and I've been eating my words because they've managed to hit their way to some wins and hit their way to this World Series. I mean, they have put up some major offensive numbers that is kind of – been a band-aid on their pitching but the diamondbacks are playing them tight man and game three is going to be a major major swing in this series in my opinion especially with them being at home for the next three games if they can i mean the diamondbacks are literally set up here where the the rangers need to win one on the road or they're out It's wild well, can, what this I, snakes team has done.
0: I'm gonna throw another wild card at you. Um, the Discord this week. Uh, I just want to. So Scott posted the ump scorecard from date from game one, and Deb says eleven balls were called strikes. Not good. Uh, pretty Not far good. off the plate too. My nephew, shout out to Bradley, sent me uh, this article. This is USA Today, and they have uh, a breakdown of all of the home plate umpires because they're all scheduled for all seven games. Um, and this is... So for anybody unfamiliar with like umpire scorecards or whatever, which is like a weird thing that is tracked the way it is... Um. But they have a way of scoring umpires. AAX is the stat accuracy above expected, um, and it's basically just a way of ranking. So there was eighty-six umpires that pitched or that umped behind home plate this year, and it ranks all of the World Series umpires by how good were they. So it's out of eighty-six. Keep that in mind. Uh, yesterday's. Not yesterday's game. Game two, whenever that took place. Yes. Uh static umpire was Quinn Wolcott, who was number one in accuracy wow, okay. above expected. Okay. Um, however, that is the only top tier strike caller behind the plate in the entire World Series. So
1: hilarious. That is such one, a major league baseball thing to do. Right.
0: So game one was uh DJ Rayburn who is ranked 62nd out of 86. Uh, game three tonight, Alfonso Marquez behind the plate, accuracy above expected of minus zero four, uh, with a rank of 66 out of 86. He is the worst. Sorry, with the exception of game six, we have a 69th ranked umpire behind the plate. But otherwise, tonight's umpire... Which is just
1: plain fun. It's a
0: anything could happen is my point, though. Like Max Scherzer might not be dealing tonight, but he might get 11 balls called as strikes.
1: And you know what? As a seasoned veteran, as a guy who's been around the league for 20 years, if anyone is going to be given the benefit of the doubt, I think Max Scherzer is on that list. And that is a really good point, dude. Or if
0: anyone can learn that, hey, we got a loosey-goosey strike zone today and take advantage of those corner calls or whatever, right? It's mad max. It's mad. I I take mad max over the rookie who is not yeah. uh, experienced with that. So that might be a factor. I mean, it's something to keep an eye on is that like, yeah, it's going to be ter- terrible umping again uh, today. Um, and it's not really going to get much better for the rest of the world series. Everybody is, is uh, like 52nd, 69th, 48th. Everybody's,
1: We should have the top 10 in baseball. What a hilarious thing to do. It's like, and this is, this is why the umpire union gets under so many people's skin is it's like tenure, right? It's exactly what it is. The best strike callers. It it is the most tenured umpires that get these games. Exactly. And uh, all we can do is just be thankful. It's not Angel Hernandez behind the plate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what kind of deals MLB had to strike with the umpire union to not get him behind a game. Can you imagine him calling a game in the World Series like on full national display and just cost a team a win? Like, unarguably... Fans would be losing their mind, and they should be. Betters would be losing their mind, yeah.
1: Did you have anything to add on uh, this Game 3 coming up tonight?
0: Um... The next three games are in Arizona, correct? Yeah. So correct. at home, chance to sweep. I mean, it'll be three in Arizona and then game six and seven uh, back in, in Texas. Texas. So,
1: The Rangers need a win. Okay. The next topic I wanted to bring up because I just find it hilarious. I know that you're not on Twitter, but obviously baseball Twitter is uh constantly in a tizzy. So breaking news, um, manager cost team the season. Every fan base. That is, according to every single fan base. Um, Phillies Twitter was insane with Rob Thompson hate. I mean, in yeah. and, and, and according to the Phillies, he literally single-handedly cost them the World Series. Dusty Baker, world listen, world series winner last year, Hall of Fame manager. Just announced his retirement. Uh, He was the reason that the Astros didn't run it back. That was on his shoulders. Uh, Dave Roberts, obviously, of the the Los Angeles Dodgers, according to Dodgers fans, he's the only thing holding the Dodgers back right now. Uh, Yanks have been calling for Boone's head forever. We know where the Jays fans are at on John Schneider. Uh, Mm -hmm. Brian Snicker of the Braves is the only one who gives a pass. Because Atlanta Braves fans are too busy crying about the playoff system and right. <laughs> the format, so I, I it got me thinking, man. Like, what does make a good manager? Then, like, what what do fans want? And is that even relevant? But just in the in the grand scheme, what do you think makes a good manager?
0: I don't know. The ability to contain the drama is like the only thing that I can ever point to as like, I feel being within their purview. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly. Dad, nope. you can correct me. Um Everything else, all the judgment, all the management decisions mid-game, pull this pitcher, pinch it, that guy. I don't know if John Schneider's pulling any of those strings, to be honest, no matter what Ross Atkins tells me. So, I don't know, puppeteer. Um, But, yeah, the ability to, like, manage emotional players and not have them... If there's not a mutiny on the ship, then old Captain Jack Sparrow's doing pretty good.
1: Dude, we are so on the same page because I feel the exact same way. It's, it's, it's even not as much the in-game decisions and listen, being able to uh, being able to go to the right bullpen pieces at the right time is a big deal. But that said in today's baseball, it's so hard to know if any of those are truly fully on the manager himself, right? Like obviously the manager has a say, I'm not saying that, but there is a, a huge team of analytics people, a huge team of baseball minds that are are helping with these decisions. There's huge game planning meetings going on beforehand. So a lot of times it's far more managing egos, right? It's it's communicating with the leaders in the clubhouse what the front office is doing, how that plan is going to be best executed and why. You know, like if if we're going to take an example, right? Torrey Lavello, manager of the Diamondbacks. Now, Merrill Kelly being pulled. This was in the National League Championship Series, right? He was pitching a gem. In the sixth inning, he walked a guy and he got pulled. And then Merrill Kelly from there has a complete hissy fit. So it is on Lavello to Frame it to the media as a good thing, right? Call it passion. Call Mm -hmm. it he cares. Oh, the fire. He's a competitor.
0: Yeah. This
1: is what we love in a baseball player. But really, he's just tempering down the, the, the backlash that that would be. Then it's on him to go explain to Kelly why that decision was made. Calm him down before he disrupts the energy in the dugout. Like, not to say managers are just there to babysit, but a little bit, man.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm with you.
1: Patreon members, I would love to hear what you think makes a good manager. And I think that's why it's so muddy these days is that a good manager in 1980 had far different job, a far different job description than now. Managers in 1995. i have a far different job description than from 1980 and from now same with from 2010 to now so the the manager position keeps shifting in what it is and what those roles entail and i think it just makes the the water very muddy especially if you've been watching baseball for four decades right because then you're just getting very frustrated and you're like what the hell i remember when managers only use their eye test right and that is not today's game.
0: <laughs> yeah, no not at all. It's uh Yeah, I mean the Merrill Kelly thing is interesting because yeah, uh he pitched game 2 on Saturday and yeah. pitched seven elite innings. Elite um, innings. I I kept kind of expecting him like every time he went out in the fifth inning like, oh, is this is he going to get hooked and like, yeah, oh, he's going through the, facing Adelise Garcia for the third time. I'm like, I hope this yeah. doesn't bite them in the ass. Like I kept kind of as a fan who's seen the opposite happen, been like, oh, they're not they're going to let him see him for the third time. And then, of course, it's a strikeout. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's just unhittable today. Like, wh- why? And they-
1: this is the thing, too, Adam, is like as much as fans constantly are pushing for the starter to stay in longer, as much as fans constantly want that old school baseball that we all grew up with the second a guy is left in too long and it bites the team in the ass the whole fan base is also like what is he doing Mm -hmm. allowing him to face this guy third time through the order the only dude that can actually hurt you right
0: (laughs) exactly no it's true it's true so yeah i don't know down if you do down if you don't but i i can't look at any managerial decisions oh why did we lay a sacrifice bunt down oh why did we go hit and run there like i don't know what is actually john schneider's decision so i don't feel comfortable criticizing any of that but i do feel like yeah he's the guy that's got to go out after the game and like you said apologize not apologize but throw water on the temper tantrum fire that may have just happened or yeah. Whatever, right? Base running error where Bo Bichette rounds third and goes to score and Correa throws him out at home, right? Like, you got to go out there and like support your guy publicly. Be like, hey, that's, I love that Bo did that or blah, 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 right? And, and be like, exactly. 10 times like out of 10. Of I times. want him trying that in that situation. Didn't work out this time, but hey, that's baseball, whatever, right? And then go back in quietly and be like, hey, you can't be that aggressive, buddy. Like, you're killing us here. Those are the, the kind amount of, things of public that, relations.
1: Yeah. Like that's what a manager basically is now is public relations, right? Being able to watch Chris Bassett smash a iPad and then go, go to the media and being like, Oh, the fire in that man. Yeah. Gotta love incredible. it. It burns so yeah. bright. It lights the whole, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the whole exactly. dug up out. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's so much fun to be around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that's the sort of stuff though that I I I want to see in a manager, and I'm still not sure how I feel about John Schneider's ability to do that. I have mixed feelings for yeah. now, but we're gonna have at least one more season of him. I don't he's think he's getting replaced this off season, is he? No. So,
1: I mean, that would be absolutely shocking.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. I think the Jays at this point, I don't even want to say. If the Jays make the playoffs again next year and have another early exit, he's still probably safe. Yeah, I I, like I don't if know they're a 95 point. win team and they get swept in the first round, I don't think John Schneider loses his job.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man.
0: I don't know. Making the playoffs is like a success and it? its We all want to see that growth and be like, "Oh, we're going deeper every year." But it's like, yeah, yeah, that would be nice. But I don't know.
1: Look at look at this year's World Series. Like, if anything proves getting in is all that matters, it's it's twenty twenty three baseball.
0: Totally, totally. Got to get hot at the speaking of managers,
1: Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kepler, I should say, uh, obviously let go by the San Francisco Giants. And Bob Melville was pretty much guaranteed to be the new manager of the San Francisco Giants as soon as the Padres gave him permission to interview for the job, right? Like, no one is going to let their manager uh, give them permission to take an interview for a division rival in a lateral move if he wasn't already on the way out the door, right? Right. Yeah. So should be interesting to see. Um, Bob Melville, a very good manager. Sorry, got a phone call right at that second. Oh, that's and the worst. My phone. My phone's attached to my stupid because I've got an i I'm an Apple boy, so I've got my Apple computer and my mm-hmm. Apple phone, and as soon as it rings, it goes up. Anyway, Bob Melville is an excellent manager um he was really struggling with aj preller there was some very um obvious animosity between the two of them aj preller of course the general manager of the san diego padres has full support of that ownership group Preller has made some interesting and questionable decisions along his tenure. And Bob Melville was a little frustrated with the way the team was put together. I think that is one of the biggest reasons why they moved on from him is that it was one or the other. And obviously ownership chose the general manager, man, this Padres scenario just gets messier and messier. I I'm so curious as to see how it goes and who they go out and get as manager. I mean, Gabe Kepler is available. <laughs> that would be the funniest, and like, I would love that so much, dude. If the Giants and the uh, the Padres just wind up switching managers this year,
0: it would be weird. I don't know that that Padres team's so dysfunctional. I just, I don't know who's gonna go in there and be successful. Like it's not a, an environment to thrive in. It reminds me of that episode of The Office. You've watched The Office, right? Your office
1: guy. I love The Office. Okay, of course.
0: So anybody in listening right now who doesn't know what we're talking about, you've been living under a rock since two thousand six. Um, go watch The Office, but uh, there, there's a I don't know what season it's in. It's like mid to late. Jim gets his, like, promotion to co-regional manager, yeah. right? And then him and Michael are, like, butting heads as they're, like, micromanaging that relationship. And it's, like, big-picture stuff, day-to-day stuff, right? And they each have their kind of categories, but Michael does not like giving up control of anything, right? Because he's, like, yeah, whatever. And then there's just the, like, the quote from, I think, Oscar. And he's, like, he... Obviously recognizes that it's a disaster having two managers and he's like something like, oh, yeah, name a country that doesn't thrive under having two presidents, name a <laughs> ship that set sails without having two captains. Where would yeah. Catholicism be without the popes? <laughs> it's just like, that's what I always think of when I read those stories about uh what's his face in San Diego and how he's like so hands-on and ways that like
1: so hands-on and again
0: same with like, Ross is, again, Atkins in Toronto back, and like the it management goes back to what we
1: were talking about with managers it's like it's so hard to judge a manager because
0: when you don't have a defined of them... scope of responsibilities it's well, I mean, all of us have called customer support for some business, Rogers or Telus or whoever, and you try to get through to your insurance agency over this, and it's like it's just a intricate maze, a labyrinth of like finger pointing, and it's like, oh, you actually want this department? Oh, and then you get to that department, and they're like, nope, that's totally wrong. You please wait on hold again. You got to talk to this guy, and then. You end up getting disconnected and frustration. You don't even call back. You just go, screw it. I'll just go sign up with a different company then. We're off the rails.
1: (laughs) For the first time in this podcast history.
0: The good news is it doesn't happen often. So we've built up a lot of goodwill with our fans. (laughs) Grounds crew
1: everyone always says these guys are so focused whenever they do get off the rails, we give them a full pass because it it never happens. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's end on this. We won't even spend much time on it. Just the fact that the Boston Red Sox have offered their general manager position to about a half a dozen people who were like, nah, I'm good. Uh, (laughs) And, and they finally found their guy in Craig Breslow. Uh, he actually was a former pitcher for the Red Sox back in the day. Uh, Cubs assistant general manager and is now going to be at the helm of one of the most storied franchises in all of baseball so the Red Sox obviously a team that they don't take losing well and finishing fifth in the American League this year Um, definitely we're going to see some big time moves I think money is going to be spent I think that there are going to be some shifts and changes in the direction of the Red Sox. I don't think it's going to be an all all round upheaval. I don't think you can expect any sort of rebuild or anything like that. And they do have a decent foundation uh, with Rafael Devers now being signed long term and some of their youth coming up and showing promise. There's some albatrosses on that team, such as Trevor Story. How does he continue to fit in? Chris Sale's contract is finally off the books this year, I think. If not this year, then one more year. But, you know, that's another mega contract that they're going to have some money to spend. So I'm I'm curious to see how Breslow goes about his business. And in one of the, the most competitive divisions in all of baseball, can he get the Red Sox back to... Where that fan base wants them to be, and honestly, man, like it's it's kind of crazy. Yes, the Red Sox didn't have it in them to really can carry on what they had done for the majority of the season over the last six weeks. They kind of fell off the cliff there, but they were right there, man. Like we were talking about how the the AL East had a possibility of being the first division in baseball history to have all their teams above 500 mid August.
0: Yeah, um, how do the Red Sox improve this offseason? Um, there's one question that I don't want to answer, but shed some light on. As far as payroll goes, um, salaries committed. Boston Red Sox, according to Spotrack, have $164 million committed to their 26-man payroll, which is more than the Blue Jays. Yeah. Um. So the idea of just going out and spending on a bunch of free agents, like I'm sure will happen, but they can't entirely just buy their way out of the basement, I guess is the yes. positive way to look at it. Um, However, I'm on this uh, article on bleacher I'll post this in the discord after this is the final MLB farm system rankings of the 2023 season. So this is from September 20th, uh, about a month ago now. Um they've tiered prospects for all 30 teams. Tier 1 being prospects who have like elite skill sets, future all-star potential, so, stuff like that. Tier 2 prospects who have a good chance of becoming like an impact contributor. Um and tier 3 would be prospects who fringe MLB careers, right? Like a Gavin B.G.O. Santiago right. Espinal, kind of a ceiling for a prospect. Um, I'll just get this out of the way and then we'll move on, but Blue Jays rank 25th in that right. regard. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann, Elvis Martinez, Arjun Namala, and the rest. Um, but Boston Red Sox, third
1: on that list. Yeah, their farm has uh oh. Been exceptional. They've done a really good job rebuilding that system. A so,
0: lot of good youth. And they've held on to their one, prospects. Two, they haven't really made three. any
1: major trades over the last couple of years.
0: No. So they've got, according to this list, their top 10 prospects one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them are tier one. According to this Very remote. impressive. So does that mean that they have MLB contributors ready to step up, make their debut this season? Maybe, maybe not but there's also trade potential there where real pieces can get moved for some serious prospect capital. So I think that's kind of what I would look at if I'm keeping an eye on the Red Sox, uh, looking to leave the basement of the AL East is that, yeah, they'll probably spend some money in free agency. They'll probably have one or two guys ready to step up, make their debut. And then they might have one or two guys get, get shipped off for a, uh, a substantial piece in return.
1: And and that is one thing to keep in mind, right? When you've got a farm system that's as highly touted as the Boston Red Sox is, a trade is something that you can look into to bring in a guy that is a very big attru- uh, contributor to a team right now with some term, right? If you're prepared to give up of those seven top 10 prospects that are ranked in category one if you're prepared to give up two of them three of them you can bring in a real piece hmm. um not i mean is one soto off the table not with that sort of farm right so yeah, exactly. and the boston red Sox are are not a team where you're like oh no they'll never take a swing that big you damn right they will mm-hmm. so really very interesting to see. And and I think that is somewhere where we could see the Red Sox put their money, right? Is make a trade for a guy like Soto. Sign him. And then maybe that's part of the deal to make that trade is that you can negotiate with Juan beforehand mm. and try and come up with a deal. You know, obviously, it's going to be very expensive. He turned down 10 years, $365 million with the Nationals before they moved him. So he's only a year away from free agency. They probably really need to wow him, but don't put it I past think, the Red Sox to do
0: that. I think the package to Juan Soto. I know winning isn't everything and money is what gets deals done, but it's it's a fact, it's got to be a factor for a guy who's had a taste of the playoffs. These guys want want rings, like they're already getting four hundred million dollars. They don't want to get four hundred million dollars from a dysfunctional bad team, I think is gotta be like when the money is close, I don't think they go to a team that has like, oh, I'm not gonna get a playoff appearance for the rest of my life with this organization. Yeah. Right. So if the Boston Red Sox can like show, hey, we got the plans in place, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be a playoff we're team. We're going this to give you year. the money
1: that everyone else would, and we'll also the supporting cast the Boston around Red yeah. Sox. Yeah. An organization so, where they're constantly did. going to be looking to win. Exactly. Yeah. So there's, yeah,
0: there's some prestige with a team like the Red Sox. That's an appeal in itself. You know, it's one thing to be the best player in Arizona Diamondbacks history. It's another thing to be the best player in Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox history. So yes. there's some cachet there and that could bring a guy in who's who's uh, otherwise on the fence. So yeah, I Juan Soto to the Red Sox. Yuck. I don't like that idea, but doesn't,
1: doesn't that sound horrible? Absolutely. I think so too. All right, buddy, let's wrap it up there. MLB Mondays. This was a fun one. It was a good one. Yeah. We'll
0: see you tomorrow for mailbag.
1: Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thanks to all of you who have uh, helped us out being a Patreon member. We really do appreciate it. Maybe we don't mention it enough, but I hope you do know that uh, without you, there would not be a walk-off podcast. So thank you very, very much. We do appreciate it. Um, Before, we can end it here but uh before we get off of zoom do you want to talk real quick about live shows next year
0: yes okay uh okay. we'll end the pa- right, we'll everybody. end the patreon and then uh we yeah. can speak freely about business and stuff but exactly more people yes okay bye patreon yeah
1: thanks for listening to the walk-off podcast with scott belford and adam mack with a new episode every friday oh. Oh.
0: The she's a oh. shows to